Welcome back. I'm Phil. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things coming at you live from space. Actually, it's not live at all. It's pre-recorded. But uh, we are here to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus. Phil, mm. how the hell are you? Good, man. You? I'm great. I'm awesome. great. Uh, listeners, you may know that we are a little late this week. Yeah. Um, so, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So the reason is uh, Steve and I sat down to record the episode on Thursday. Um and literally right as I sat down, I put my phone up on the stand to look at my notes, and I noticed I was getting a call from my wife, uh, so I quickly took it, um, <clears throat> and we had a death in the family, so I had to run, go be with her, so that's why it's late, sorry. Um, I know it's not, like, anyone's fault, it just, death occurs, but... Um, yeah, and yeah, so, but, yeah. but don't think this is going to be, like, the way it is, unless every week somebody else else dies i don't know i mean the way the orcas are working around the world that could be <laughs> true. could be a thing true uh but yeah man yeah. um yeah we apologize for being late yeah, but sorry. i but you guys understand like this is just a podcast mm. life happens family and humans are way mm. more important than what we do yeah on a podcast we appreciate you guys being um uh patient with us but yeah we're here to talk about sci-fi man yeah some strange new worlds this episode in particular mm. we're talking about today yeah. Ad Astra Perispera yeah. is quite a good one, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if this is the first time you've ever listened to the show, what we're going to do is we're going to go through and give a scene-by-scene recap of the episode that we're about to talk about. Uh, we're going to get into our two final segments. First one, acting captain. We're mm-hmm. going to name who was our favorite actor who gave the best performance yep. of the episode. Yep. And then we're going to talk about our favorite moment of the episode. Um we had a we had a listener write in and suggest that we call this segment Captain's Log. So oh, okay. our Captain's Log, start eight two zero two three oh six two four. Uh point what? Point eleven. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they suggested Captain's Log. Maybe we do that. Okay. Cool. Uh, and then after awesome. that, I'm gonna open up the comms for some listener questions. We got a couple questions sent in to us via email and via the Patreon uh, Discord which you can be a part of if you go to uh, patreon.com slash streaming things where you can join us at a variety of tiers. And you can also email us at streamingthingspod at gmo.com if you would like to interact with the show as well. Phil. Yes. Captain on deck. <laughs> How's it going, my man? Good. Yeah. Uh, what are, I know we kind of haven't been doing overall thoughts, but like yeah. overall, what, what, what like going into this episode, how are you feeling from last week? Mm-hmm. What were you excited about getting into this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paint me, paint me a picture. So it's wild that they started season two, episode one off with uh, very little Pike and not mm-hmm. following up on the um, season cliffhanger of season one. Cause at the end of season one, Una uh, was taken away by Captain Battelle and her um, cronies <laughs> um, for essentially lying to Starfleet about being an Illyrian. Mm-hmm. And they made a bold choice to not address that in season uh, one or season two, episode one. Yeah, they're uh, like that big whole cliffhanger we did last yeah. week. Forget about just it. Just wait a minute. Just yeah. forget just about hold it. Hold off on that. Pike wasn't really even in the first episode episode of season two so in a scene yeah like in the beginning like the first five minutes and then poof gone Mm -hmm. but that's okay because we liked episode one there was like one thing we didn't care as much about but overall we liked it Mm -hmm. um so i was really interested to see how they address the una trial uh in 
season two, episode two, and this was the episode. So <clears throat> I was really pumped about this one. Uh, it had major like measure of a man vibes from, uh, I think it was season two of TNG. So like the only good episode that season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like courtroom drama. I'm always there for it. Um, not a, not a violent scene in the whole, um, episode. So, uh, really different, um, approach to this one, uh, versus the first episode. So I, I was glad that they are essentially showing off the modes that they can hit with this show. Like it's not all, uh, lasers and explosions and, um, Popeye spinach vials that turn them into super ninjas. It was, <laughs> um, a more, um, measured, um, courtroom drama type episode, which mm -hmm. was really fun. Do you find yourself, do you enjoy like a lot of courtroom dramas in general? Like, do you watch any of those? I mean, like, like your, we've all watched your laws and orders. Yeah. Like we've all watched law, law your SVUs. Yeah. yeah. One of the, one of, um, the better movies I've seen is 12 angry men. Like oh, that's that a great courtroom movie. or the, uh, jury. It's a jury. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a really good movie when they're done. Well, they're, they're, they're really interesting and riveting. Um, when they're kind of meh and the writing's not great, like, yeah, they're boring, but yeah, I feel like a courtroom drama is a perfect sort of medium for a writer to really flex if they're good at it. Mm -hmm. like yeah. You could cause it's right. You could like do, you know, big speeches, character driven dialogue with drama in it. Uh, so if you're not good at writing, it's not going to be a good courtroom drama. It's yeah. just not. Right. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, well, this episode in particular was written by Akita Goldsman and Alex Kurtzman and directed by v Valerie, Valerie Weiss. Weiss. Yeah. Weiss? Weiss? First time Trek director, too. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, they did a great job. Yeah. An amazing job. Mm -hmm. uh, but how about we dip right into the scene by scene recap? Sure. Okay. So the episode opens up. Uh, it's Una as a little girl. Um, she's really, she's looking out the window. She's really worried. Her parents are arguing in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, but th she's told, Hey, Una, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Don't you worry your little Illyrian head. Right. You're going to be all right. Right. <laughs> her, her mom wants to go to the hospital because it's bad enough that she's like, we need help. And Una's dad's like, we absolutely cannot do that. She's not going, she'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, they kind of talk, I think they touch back on this later, but this is, I assume when she broke her leg. Yeah. She had, she had a wound on her leg, yeah. um, that, um, you see for like a second. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and it's not, it's not actually immediately clear that it's Una until you flash forward into the next scene. And then it's obvious, but mm -hmm. at that moment you're like, I mean, Who we all this? assume it's her, but there's not like she doesn't have like a name tag on her shirt that says Una. <laughs> so it's not immediately obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a good little reveal. They transition to adult Una now. Yeah. Um, she's talking to uh, Captain Battelle, Captain Battelle and Battelle saying like, hey, I'm trying to work with you here. If you plead guilty, we will accept a dishonorable discharge. You won't be exiled from Starfleet. No prison time. No prison time. Uh, we will be willing to seal the records and just look the other way. Right. Uh, and this is kind of an interesting sort of scene because we all think of Starfleet. Starfleet has this sort of, there's big ideals to it. You know, that they're the, the quote unquote good guys. They're supposed to be like very progressive and yeah. helpful. 
uh, it's interesting that they've given Una a uh, a defendant or the attorney, I assume, who works for Starfleet. So she's like, this is kind of dumb. Like yeah. Starfleet's putting me on trial and they've got their own person defending me. Who's yeah. how, how can they truly be on my side and defend me and uh, defend my story if they technically work for you? Mm. Uh, and this is when we get the first sort of bit of courtroom drama. And we know this because Una at one point goes sidebar. <laughs> sidebar. Yeah. I could have used for some more uh, courtroom thing like objection <laughs> overruled we get a little bit more of that later on like mm-hmm. during during the actual trial but 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 during the plea plea deal um that she's presented with in a very oddly lit scary room yeah <laughs> um it, she's not taking that deal is, so this, is this room in section 31 uh, 31 yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> that's right. where they have all there i mean maybe yeah um the cell uh we see her in later on has an amazing view of the golden gate bridge though it does yeah <laughs> yeah it's like I, damn that's a i mean people pay for that mm-hmm. view now like that's I, a prime real estate <laughs> In the, in the future, we treat our criminals very well. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I do love how in Star Trek, nine out of ten times, if you go to Earth, mm-hmm. you're within spinning distance of the Golden Gate Bridge. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Every single time. So, um, side uh, sidebar. Sidebar. I just went to San Francisco, uh, and I went to the opposite side of the bridge, um, and I definitely, definitely looked at the side that Starfleet Academy will be on and like winked to myself like, yeah, one day it's going right there. (laughs) (laughs) I I want that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to be, be around to see. I can't wait till like we're both 90 Mm -hmm. and I, cause I'll still be walking. I'll wheel you like over there. Like there it is, buddy. (laughs) They did it. (laughs) Where's captain Archer. Yeah. (laughs) Technically, um, first, Base first warp flight is like 2063, I think it is. Um, so we'll up. see that. It's coming up. Yeah. But, uh, but we got but that. We will we have got to World War Three. Yeah, we'll have to um, survive World War Three and the eugenics wars yeah. between now and then. Mm-hmm. So um, fingers crossed. Hey, you know, <laughs> the, the way the world is really going, we're not too far off from that. Not really. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so Captain Pike, he's going to the Volterra Nebula to find some legal help. And I really, really actually enjoyed this because it's not so like in Star Trek, it's like, hey, let's go to a planet. And then they just sort of just don't need to take any precautions. I'm on this planet. So I like the fact that he was on a planet that is actually not healthy for humans. Like he's got to wear a mask. He can't survive in the atmosphere. It's not suitable for human life. But the the Ilarians use it. Mm Uh, because they have used their genetic modifications where the the atmosphere doesn't bother them. Yeah. And I think that was really, really cool. It kind of shows you the difference between these two types of people uh, and why they're quote unquote different. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, Pike has his collar popped in a extremely aggressive way. And I really appreciated that. (laughs) You You like an aggressive pop? I like an aggressive pop on Pike. Pop on Pike? Pop on Pike. Yeah. Um, so, uh, props to Anson Mount for just rocking that popped Dude, collar. I, I, we're going to say this a lot on the show, but Anson Mount can get it. All right. He can, <laughs> he can wear probably anything and I would still be like, yeah, dude can get it. Captain, my captain. Yeah. I watched uh, Elysium kingdom the other day 
just for funsies. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's one of, honestly, to God, I do love that episode so much. It's it's a divisive one, but yeah. It is yeah. a divisive one. I love it. And one of the reasons why I love it is how committed Anson Mount is to that role. Like, he yeah. gets to play a coward and all that, and he yeah. loves it. And he looks good in that little, I don't know what you call that type of Renaissance era outfit that he's wearing, but yeah. he can get it. Yeah. My dude can no, get it. He's good. Even when he's got like half his face obscured by a, a respirator. Yeah. Perfectly quaffed hair, though. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but he meets with Nira. Now, Nira is apparently um, a lawyer of, of some renown, uh, but also has a, some, some sort of past with Una. Uh, so he's he's going to Nira to try to convince her to help Una out because she's got this great legal expertise. But there is some sort of history between them where she doesn't necessarily want to help her out at first. He mentioned in episode one of season two that he was leaving to physically travel to her office because she won't take her because she won't take his calls. So that's why he's there. That's why he wasn't in the first episode at all, because he was in transit to see Nira Kitul. Mm-hmm. Um and now he's arrived. So now he's in her office and she's not happy to see him no. at all. He tries to do this thing where his his oxygen, she's trying to wait him out and his oxygen rebreathers like out of oxygen. And he's like, I can wait. But he's like dying. Yeah. <laughs> and the receptionist has no choice but to essentially like give him what he wants because otherwise he's going to die. Yeah. So. You're going to have a dead Starfleet captain in your lobby if yeah. you don't do what he, what he wants. Yeah. Uh, and let me just say this right up the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nira Katul. What a queen. Yeah. Um, she rules. I love this character so much because it's it's rare you can watch a television show, especially a show like even Star Trek, even where it's like, yeah, Star Trek talks about like some big societal issues and tries to hold a mirror to society and make us better. Mm-hmm. But even in you never get a character that's this that speaks truth to power this hard. Like, yeah. This woman is just Oh, she's out to get it. And I love it because perfect casting. Yeah, because there's a point where she's like, hey, I don't want to help Starfleet. Starfleet sucks. They hate our people. They're kind of racist and bigoted towards us. It's awful. And he he has some sort of line about old, old fears can be wrong. And she's like, oh, congrats. You've discovered empathy. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, like, she gives it right back to him. I, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. She rules. Um, and we learned that that Nira is Una's childhood friend. Um, and uh but we don't know exactly what went down between them. Like she hints at some tension between her and Una, but we're not sure yet. Like what the nature of what that happened, is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and she, she kind of reveals about herself that even though she's kind of playing this sort of, she's got this bravado, like I'm not helping you out. I'm not helping her out. Starfleet sucks. Yeah. She knows everything about the case, even though the case is technically sealed. <laughs> yeah. So she, she has an interest there. Yeah. Uh, but her, I don't know, like her stubbornness is getting in the way of her actually participating in the case as of yet. Right. Um, but, uh, Pike kind of flips around on her is like, Hey, yeah, this case might not be the most helpful towards Illyrians, but it'll be the most public case. And if you work this out and you help her, that's going to put a lot more spotlight on the cases that you do care about and you are kind of struggling with right now. And as he pointed out, her track record with taking Starfleet to court is not great at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of cases thrown out. um, So she needs a win as a, I think she said she's a civic law uh, attorney. So Mm -hmm. um, she needs a, like she, like she needs a win. She's extremely good at her job, but like, I guess as her track record, as her track 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 record, her track record, yeah, yeah. As her track record goes with Starfleet, not great yet. So, 
Yeah, and it's mostly not because of her. It's just because Starfleet's just dismissing her court cases, so she can't right. even get the opportunity to get the wins. Right, she, like it's a it's a uh, it's a fixed system against her and mm. all other Illyrians. Mm. Uh, but Una is sitting in her jail uh, jail cell. She's looking at her badge. Great view. Um, great view. <laughs> How much do you think she pays for that cell <laughs> a month? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that view today is... Well, I mean, I guess there's no money in Star Trek. So no, like, there's none. Yeah. 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 There's no value in no. that. In that. <laughs> they're, they are living in a post-scarcity society, so money has no um, point except to Ferengi. <laughs> Human, <laughs> I want that cell, human. Yeah, Pippin is uh, right on me right now. It's very cute. What is, is he licking you? Yeah, Pippin the dog. Pippin Are the you dog. guys talking about Star Trek? <laughs> I have some thoughts on it. My favorite character is the one with the pointy ears because I also have pointy ears. <laughs> oh, here he comes. For the There's YouTube list, listener, or the YouTube, the YouTube <laughs> viewers. Hi, buddy. Oh, <laughs> he loves his Uncle Phil. Yeah, go on YouTube and check this out because he's very cute. He loves his Uncle Phil. Okay, sorry. Uh, but yeah, Una's in her jail cell. She's looking at her badge. Nira shows up. She's taking the case. Um, she tells Una, hey, tell me the story of your story. Who turns you in? Um Starfleet like is trying to sweep this under the rug because they don't want the public to know that they allowed and kind of were tricked by Una into letting an Illyrian into their midst. Uh, but she wants this case to go public and she's like, deny that plea deal. We're taking this to court. We're doing it for the Illyrians. Right. Yeah. Do you think that's a good sound strategy? Should she have taken that plea deal? <laughs> uh, knowing how it ends up? No, of course not. Uh <laughs> At that moment, though, it's a it's a tempting offer for anybody who's not Una because um, it 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 is a hard case to win. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, with with stated law and Starfleet feels pretty rigid when it comes to that type of law. As as the episode goes on, though, like things turn mm -hmm. around. So um, and and everyone knows that we brought you onto this show because you have an extensive legal background in Star Trek law, <laughs> right? Where did you get your uh, law degree at in Star Trek? Star Trek law degree. Oh, um, I hate to admit this, but I have not passed the Starfleet bar yet, so um, I am not an actual Starfleet attorney yet, yet, yet. There's the door. <laughs> you were waiting for that. <laughs> but Una's not about being erased. She's like, no, I, I'm not going to take a dishonorable discharge. Um, mm -hmm. That's just not who I am. I've, I've. She's a hero. She's, yeah. She's like, I've done more for Starfleet um, than most. Uh, this was my dream. Like, I'm not just going to roll ov over on this thing. Yeah, how many, people can, fight it. how many people can say she she did every single list on the Enterprise crew fuck around sheet or whatever that episode <laughs> yeah. was? Oh, what, what was, was that, that thing called on Lower Decks? Uh, it was like... Uh, it was her and Laon did the the whole thing where it's like walk oh, on that the ship. That and, one. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I thought you meant the, um, the Lower Decks joke. Um, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Now we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Phil. Sorry, completely sorry. different yeah, I got, show. I got my tricks mixed up. Um, but Captain, uh, I, I cannot. I don't know why I can't say Battelle. Yeah. But Captain Battelle confronts Captain Pike because she's kind of mad. She's gotten the word that Una's not taking the plea deal, 
And despite like all sort of efforts, Patel thinks she's doing what's best for Una. Like she doesn't hate Una. Mm. She thinks Una's a hero. She's trying to work within the law to be like, hey, she's confronting Pike. Like, why is she doing this? I, I literally did everything I could to make sure she like can live a free and normal life. She just isn't going to be a part of Starfleet anymore. If she takes this to court, the judge general or the judge advocate general, uh, who is Pasak. Yeah. He's a real dick. He's a real stick in the mud. He's a real patak, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's really concerned that if she takes us to court, she's going to get the whole book thrown at her. And you know about the book as the Starfleet legal expert here. Yeah, it's about four inches thick. Yeah, I mean, just their dress code in general <laughs> that she had was... It's an actual book, too. It's not a pad. It's no. like a physical book. Someone wrote that shit <laughs> by hand. <laughs> just love it whenever you see, like, a uh, relic from our time in the future like that. Like I know books have existed for hundreds of years, um, but, uh, but it's, it's weird just to funny see to see it like, like Star Trek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. they always have the little pads on yeah, them right, and stuff. Right. So when they're like, mm, I mean, lick my finger and move right. the pages. Right, right, right. Um, you know what my favorite part about this scene is? Hmm. Did you watch this with captions on? Uh, I think I did, but I was ignoring the captions. Okay. Um, Pike uh, gets mad at one one point and cuts through a carrot. And the captions... Oh, uh, no, no, no. He tosses it. And um, the caption says, um, carrot clatters. And I love that. <laughs> carrot clatters. I love that. <laughs> just, good, just in case... Sometimes like, captions are heroes. Just yeah. in case you weren't paying attention, he threw through that. And here's, here's text-based evidence of that if you ever wondered what sound a carrot makes when it's thrown across the floor it's a clatter exactly just like the reindeer on the top of your roof it's a clatter right right (laughs) and of course i do love this scene too because uh i just love this thing where captain pike's always cooking up food yeah he's he's, what a dude he can get it i know am i right he's the best yeah he can get it and then the next scene um batel and pasalk uh essentially up the charges since Una's mm. rejected their deal. They're like, fine, we're going to throw the whole book at you yeah. and we're going to give you every single charge that we can possibly give you. Um, you violated code 614, 617. We're giving you two counts of sedition on top of that. There you, you go. know that's going to get you? Dismissal. 20 years in a penal colony. Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere that begins with the word penal. All right. <laughs> not does not sound good. Was that um, side sidebar in the Voyager sidebar. in the Voyager um, first episode of the first season? Janeway goes to a pool. penal colony for. Yeah. Was he in a penal call? I'm, yeah, he, I'm pretty sure. Like, listener, write in if I'm wrong, but I'm pr- I'm like 99 percent sure he was at a penal colony. Yeah. That's how she got. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about uh, Paris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, Tom Paris. Yeah. Remember when they became salamanders? <laughs> What a good episode that was. It was a great, great episode. We should just review that episode. I mean, if if the um, if the listeners on Patreon want us to watch Threshold, Threshold. we can. <laughs> so, uh, sidebar, sidebar. Well, Phil and I were watching Voyager kind of together, but I had gotten a little ahead of you yeah. at this point, and yeah. so I watched Threshold before you did, <laughs> and I was kind of like live texting you like what the fuck is this episode <laughs> what is happening 
Yeah. Yep. That this was a great ending episode. is insane. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love that it's made. Yeah. Uh, so they want to make an example out of Una. That's why they're throwing the book at her. How dare you be an Illyrian and trick us? Yeah. Don't trick us. It's kind of like when you're um, you're like in the garage late at night and like a moth like flutters by you and it scares the shit out of you. You're like, oh, that thing has to die. Fuck that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> uh, but they want to make an example out of her. But they kind of have announced that they're going to have these like star witnesses in her trial. And Admiral mm. Robert April is going to be amongst them. And at first they're like, oh, that's kind of great. Admiral April loves me. He was the one that kind of. Put nine. He uh, what, what was it called? Sponsored me in the Starfleet. Yeah, he 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 essentially vouched for her um, and put his career on the line for mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, and, and and Una wants to take the stand, but they're like, "Hey, you're not going to take the stand because that's going to give them an opportunity to tear you down and like discredit you." Nero wants to do it her way this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her way or the highway, right? Um. Uh, so Nira is given Una's quarters on the Enterprise to have sort of as like a it's a proper case, a home base. Yeah, but she needs some records, and luckily Lon is there yeah. to uh, help her. Yeah, um, Lon is kind of she says something like, "Hey, have you figured out who the person is that turned uh, Una in? I think I know who it is, but I need some I need hard evidence." Yeah, because up to this point, remind me because I. It's been a minute since I've watched the season finale <clears throat> of season one. Yeah. Um, remind me again. Was there like a big question like who turned her in? Um, or were, were, was she just turned? In? I don't think that was like expressly like a big part. It was just at the end of that episode. Patel shows up. She's like, um, I need Chris and Una in the transporter room. Mm-hmm. And then she takes Una away and announces the charges of of essentially lying to Starfleet to to gain and to gain entry into their ranks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they beam off. So, okay, um, okay, that's that's what I thought. Yeah. But but, um, when this scene propped up, I I had a moment of like, am I not remembering a conspiracy that I don't really think there was a big emphasis on who turned her in. I think that and maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't. That part doesn't stick out to me when I think back on the finale of season one. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm glad it's, it's not just me. Yeah. Uh, so Battelle sits with Pike. Um, he he wants to fight for his friend. Uh, Uno pointed out a mistake that he made because he went to her, corag- her graduating class mm. uh, at Starfleet and like made this big whole story of some heroic piloting he did. And after the speech, Una came up to Pike and was like, uh, hey, man, uh, actually, if you did this, could, you could have done this and not have sucked so hard. Am I right? <laughs> and he, he's like, that's why I liked her, because every captain needs a first officer who's willing to tell them when you're wrong. Mm. And I think that's good advice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is and this is why he wants to take the stand in defense of his friend. But Patel, who, again, is doing her job, but also trying to look out for them is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why that's a terrible idea. Because as soon as you get on the stand, the first question they're going to ask you is how long were you aware you were harboring an Illyrian on the, on the stand? Yeah. And as you know, you're under oath. Yeah. And they'll know if you're lying. Right. Your hands on that light. Yeah. We'll It'll know. come back, back to that part. <laughs> um, yeah. So the conv- convo takes a hard turn on Pike and he sort of realizes like, okay, yeah, maybe, Maybe taking the stand is not the the best choice for me. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we cut to Ortegas mm-hmm. is hanging out with Mbenga, and there's this really funny scene where they're kind of like they're at a, they're at the dinner room. What do you yeah. call that? The lounge. Uh, it's the equivalent of ten forward for yeah. the Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. So they're about, like, they're at eleven <clears throat> forward, and or nine forward. <laughs> sure. Maybe nine forward. Sure. Uh, and <laughs> Ortegas is doing this funny thing where they're they're both watching Spock have dinner with Pasak, and Ortega's like. Mm, I, I'm Spock. I do, I'm doing this. Moment mm, bigger. That's logical. Like, yeah. Have you ever done something like that? They are. We've done that to people. We have done yeah. that. We've done um, that to many people. Ortegas and Mabenga are basically uh, watching these two uh, stare intently at each other across across the table, but they're like sitting straight farther away. So mm-hmm. they're essentially just making fun of these two, just stoic, emotionless Vulcans. Um, but Mabenga's like. Oh, those guys hate each other. Can't you tell? Look at their body language. And Ortega's <laughs> like, I, what are you talking about? They're just standing there, yeah. sitting there. Yeah. And then this is honestly one of the funniest moments, definitely of this episode. But I outright cackled when so Spot gets up, he walks over, and he's like, I regret that you had to witness that outburst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pasak brings out the worst in me. He mentions that Pasak is his father his father's former colleague too. Yeah. So, uh, a, um, Sarek, uh, reference there for any TNG, um, fans. Gotta love a good Sarek reference. Yeah. yeah. So, um, have we not seen Sarek since like discovery? Right. Wow. What a bummer. Yeah. I like that character. Yeah. He's got to come back at some point. Maybe. I would I love know. to see Sarek and Spock interact again on, on this show. I, I think we've had enough, of Spock's dad throughout the last 30 to 40 years. It doesn't have to be like a big thing. He just show up and be like Spock. And then they do the head nod. They yeah. do the, the, the live long and prosper. And then they dap up. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Sure. I mean, I'm not, not opposed to it. Yeah. But I just, I just like a good Easter egg. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Lon and Uhura. Uh, cut, well, we cut back to the bridge at this point. Yeah. And Laon and, or La'an is giving Uhura a illegal order and Uhura recognizes it as one that she should not follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially she wants um, all the communications uh, that mention uh, Una, even the personal logs. Apparently in Starfleet, personal logs are like sealed and you can't have access to them unless like under very specific circumstances which this does not apply to. <clears throat> right. The red tape to get those logs is a long process. Um, actually, Nira mentions that it takes like six months, I think, mm-hmm. uh, later on in the episode to to acquire those in a legal way. So obviously, uh, La'an ordering Uhura to give her all of those logs is is a big no-no. Yeah. And Uhura's like, I, you are my friend. I respect you, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, well, she, yeah, she's basically like, I'm not going to do that. Also, I'm not going to do that because I don't want that to happen to you. Like, right. you will get in trouble. And also this, there, there's some legal order that I can't remember if Uhura brings up or if it's brought up later in the episode, but they're like, if any evidence that's obtained yeah. illegally is admissible anyway. versus Wick. Yeah, yeah Starfleet versus Wick. Mm-hmm. John Wick. Is, um, specifically, uh, the fruit of the poise, poisonous tree which is essentially like any evidence against Una that they acquire illegally is not admissible mm-hmm. in court. Yeah. So 
what she's doing is would would not even help anyway. So now we start the the trial. The yeah. tribunal actually begins, and I tried to write down all of the um, the three sort of presiding judges. Yeah. Uh, there's what Tlagel, Chiv. I, I, I and don't I remember the other ones, ones, but it's a human, a Vulcan, and I believe that's supposed to be a Tellerite. Tellerite? Yeah, I think um, it's a Tellerite. So it's got that beard. Their looks have kind of changed a lot during the last um, fifty years or so. So it's sort of hard to. Well, I I, I googled Tellerite because I was kind of the same thing. Like, yeah. is that a Tellerite? And I yeah. I googled it. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely yeah, what right. that is. Yeah. It's not a Bolian. No, but which <laughs> which makes sense because those three were the founding um, species of the Federation. Mm-hmm. So makes sense why they'd be like on the council. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we kind of kick off this trial. Una pleads not guilty. Battelle kind of begins her opening statement where she talks about the eugenics wars, yeah. how genetic engineering is really, really bad. And that's why we don't like we don't like Illyrians because they're all about that genetic engineering. Right. Um, and then Nira takes a stand and she kind of talks about how just because something is law doesn't mean it's just. Right. And that because of the way that Starfleet has constructed this, these laws against Illyrians, that has made Starfleet, it has put Starfleet in this rare situation where they are persecutors and not actually like the Starfleet we all kind of idealize in right. our heads. Yeah. And that's true. That does happen where like people are, you know, a uh, uh, antiquated law will still be on the books and like yeah. people who, f- who enforce those laws have to enforce them, but maybe they shouldn't. They're be. wrong. Yeah. yeah. She, like she specifically mentions um, slavery. So mm-hmm. that's, that's probably the best modern example. And like yeah. this episode is not shy about being very obvious about the um, pair between like what they're talking about and like what actually exists in our world today. Um, so this is yeah, this like, is like, like, a, like the anti-trans movement. That's yeah, going just around. just just like the like laws made to oppress people that um, Starfleet doesn't deem worth um, following their cultural norms. Yeah. We, yeah. And and. And I really like this episode because um, not only is it tackling that sort of real world thing that we're dealing with right now, but it also kind of talks about stuff that happened in universe. Like uh, we'll we'll get into it right now. So like uh, Admiral uh, April shows up, he's on stand and, you know, they talk about a bunch of different stuff. But the the one I wanted to talk about specifically is Nira brings up the whole like the prime directive issue. General order one, you know, no starship may interfere with alien life or society that's pre-warp. But this is broken all the time. <laughs> and she lists really every time every episode of Star Trek. Yeah, she lists every time that he specifically violated the prime directive to make a point like because he essentially says, like, I wouldn't have given Una support if I knew that she was an Illyrian. And she's like, it's against the law. Yeah, but you've broken the prime directive like all these times. So like what makes you okay to break this law so many times and still retain your position and not this law, which we all think is bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's, it's cool because, um, Admiral April is considered, uh, an ally by everyone on the show for the most part. Like everyone seems to love Admiral April. They talk so highly of him. He's always helping them. He's got their backs typically. Um, 
And so she goes hard on him. And it's sort of like everyone's really kind of mad at Nira initially because like, why are you at this trial is about Una and helping her out. Why are you dressing down this guy? Are you just trying to be are you so blinded by your hatred from the of Starfleet that you're willing to just attack people like this? This is wrong. Yeah. Which uh, maybe isn't so wrong because we find out later on in the episode. Am I right? (laughs) Um, Battelle during this scene is losing her goddamn mind though. She's like, objection, objection. Like she is just not happy at all about the line of questioning. I love an objection. That Nira is doling out. Do you think this trial, how different do you think this trial would have worked with, uh, uh, instead of these three judges, mm-hmm. we had Judge Judy. Oh, <laughs> you know, um, so like we could have Judge Judy, we could have... Judge Jerry, uh, Judge Jerry, peace, R.I.P. Um, Who was the the Judge dude? Mathis? Oh, Judge Mathis. Yeah. yeah, let's get a Judge Mathis yeah. on there. There's there's a new show on. What's the um, dude? What's the woman from People's Court? What's her name? I forget her name. But get her on there. We need the sure. People's Court, you know, represented on this board. I was just watching Bar Rescue on Pluto TV before I came here, and uh, I love your, I love how you spend your Saturday mornings. There, there was a uh, <laughs> commercial for a show called Hot Bench. Ooh, what's Hot Bench? It's exactly what you think it is. It's just another. It's a, like, are, are the defendants sitting on a TV. bench that they increase the temperature of slowly over the course <laughs> no, of a half no, hour? No, it's not that literal. <laughs> uh, it's just another Judge Judy, Judge Jerry type. There was there was one. I don't remember what it was called, but I like went to visit my mom. This was probably sometime last summer, but I went to visit her, and she was watching a judge show. But it was the most insane thing I've ever seen because it, it, it it's the same exact format. But instead, there are three. It's like this. There were three judges on like a half circled dais, diocese mm-hmm. that's like really, really high up. And they're all like, you can't rule that against her. Like they're all like arguing. And I'm like, what is this? This isn't Whoa. how the law works in America. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So was it, was the defendant or whatever, like in the middle of them or was it just, they were yeah, so talking about you've cases. Got the, you got the defendant and the, the plaintiff, yeah. like how you normally would. Yeah. And they're, but they're just facing like a half circled, you know, desk that's like 10 feet in the air mm-hmm. with three justices looking down on them. Wow. <laughs> like, a, like some sort of sci-fi show. Yikes. Yeah. I didn't really pay attention that much. So I don't even know what the case was about. I just, <laughs> I just saw the visual, like why my mom was talking about how her neighbors suck, but I'm like looking at this visual out of the corner of my eye, like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this is so weird. I don't think that was hot bench, but, um, <laughs> hot bench. Yeah. It's going hot bench. Anyway, back to, uh, to this trial. I, I love this episode because we can go on tangents and just say sidebar. Yeah. And, and we're still on right. the theme. Right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the team is shocked that she went after April so hard. Yeah. Um, April, like he, he then and, and, and April kind of makes this great point where he, he and Pike kind of meet each other in the hallway and April's kind of mad. And he's like, hey, I had all these incredibly great and kind things to say about Una. I would have talked about how she saved all these lives, how she's one of my favorite officers ever, how she's earned her place in Starfleet, essentially. But I didn't get a chance to say any of that because I was being attacked the whole time. Glad your uh, defendant is, or your your legal counsel is seemingly getting in the way of Una's Una's freedom, which I, I did like that kind of take on it. And then Pike offers him a drink and he just stiffs him and walks out and then pike takes the drink that he had poured him and just combines it into his and takes a double shot i just loved loved that like small detail like pike is not 
feeling great about this trial right now. No, he's at he's, this point. He's sweating it. Yeah. He, he's worried he ain't going to get it. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we cut to uh, Una and Nira are kind of talking about their strategy. Una's obviously very, very upset. Um, and she kind of accuses Nira like, all you've ever wanted was a soapbox to kind of stand upon and talk about the injustices that Starfleet uh, places upon Illyrians. You mm. don't really care about me. And Nira says, like, you're not the one who gets left behind. Yeah. Yeah. A hint at the tension between them, though it's not explicitly said at this point. What did you think this tension was from, like, in the moment? I, so, um, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Una uh, sort of shirked her Illyrian culture, whereas Nira um, embraced it. Embraced it. So, I, I mean, I thought that's what it was. She was, she was bitter that... Um, Una essentially left um, her best friend to go be in this um, organization that she like disagreed with, <clears throat> and I could see why. Like yeah. the the organization itself is like extremely hostile to to your existence. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what I thought it was at that point. Mm. You? Uh, I I was kind of thinking the same way. I, I was very curious. Like what I was trying to think of like what the inciting incident. Would have been yeah. like, was it just her going to Starfleet or something? Yeah. But yeah. We'll yeah. find out a little bit later. But yeah. well, back into the courtroom, we've got more witnesses, Phil. Spock, we've got Laon. We got Spock. We got Mbenga. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about their testimony? Um, I so one thing that stood out to me, like um Laon Nunyan Singh uh finally confirms that she has a direct um bloodline to Khan. Which was kind Con. of a which was kind of a big big reveal. Like yeah. I mean, we all assumed it because her last, her last name, name is, is Nunian Singh. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it had never never been like expressly um, said yet. Yeah. So that was a big deal. I definitely did the Leonardo DiCaprio like ooh 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 the like point at the screen like that's the, they said the name yeah, they right. said Khan right. And then um, another thing that I liked was um, Spock references and I don't, I don't know if you watched these or not but these were this was a series called short treks i think they're on paramount plus still i've not seen these but there's a short trek about the moment that una and spock meet for the first time oh really and they have a musical number in a turbo lift and he directly makes a reference to that meeting. Oh, man. So, so if you're like, what was that whole thing about? I, I forget, like Gilbert and Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. Like if you were confused about that part, there is there is actually. Um, Are they singing like Modern Major General? Is that the song they're singing? I believe so. Yeah. Like it's it, it's it, it, I forget the actual song, but um, there is a short tracks about that moment. And it's like seven minutes long. So it's That's a real on Paramount Plus. Yeah. I'm going to watch that. That yeah. sounds amazing. Not all short treks are created equal, though. I will warn you. Um, well, some are really track. good and some are really bad. Uh, but that one's good. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't know the words to that modern major general <clears throat> song. I only know the words from the version that appears in Mass Effect. <laughs> the one that Warren yeah. Solis sings. Yeah. I would love to see Spock sing anything. Right. In a turbo lift even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of cool that they bring something that. I really liked that back. part because because I didn't think that that. Um, that specific short trek would ever get referenced again, but it, it was just real quick, real. Do they, do they reference short treks ever? Like, is this the first time they've ever like referenced it in a mainline series? It's a good question. To your knowledge. Um, 
That is a really good question. I don't know if there are other, um, if there are, if there are other short treks that have a direct reference in other series, I know they did one, um, that related to Picard season one. Um, that was actually pretty good. Um, and, uh, what's the other one? There was a triple one too. That, that's just good with, um, H John Benjamin. He's the main guy. Oh, really? Yeah. So is he doing like the Bob's burgers voice? Yeah. That's just his voice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody so, have a triple. Yeah. No, that's, that's your spot on. I'm just going to go over here. Yeah. Tita. <laughs> so go watch that one. Um, the other thing I liked about this specific scene is, um, they do like a really great talking head montage mm-hmm. where they just like cycle through all of the like glowing reviews that the crew yeah. has for Una. I got a little teary eyed when Mbenga talks about how her discreetness and empathy yeah. is so great. It was just they so had nice. That, yeah. They had that great moment last season where she was kind of keeping the secret of his daughter being held in the pattern buffer yeah. the whole season. Yeah. It's just, they have nothing but glowing things to say. They even go so far as to say like, we are alive because of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many more people are also alive because of her. So she has yeah, Lon specifically says like, I've saved a bunch of people. Una has saved my life. If she didn't save my life and bring me into, she literally sponsored Lon into Starfleet. And if she hadn't done that, all these people would be dead. Yeah. So they have nothing but good things to say about, about her. And then Spock, day. Spock is, you know, he's Vulcan. He always, he's always coming in hot with that logic. I love the logic that he spouts where it's like, it's illogical for Starfleet to punish itself Yeah. because her loss would be so destructive to the organization. She's a mentor. Uh, yeah. she's, she's a leader about leadership. Um, she's a friend, she's family like, and that uh, from a, from a Vulcan point of view, like that is like, yeah, it is illogical for Starfleet to punish itself. When Spock gives you a glowing review, that's got to feel good yeah. because Spock's not an emotional person in, in any outward terms. Mm-hmm. So for him to be so complimentary is such a huge deal specifically to, to the crew that he works with works with because he spends so much time with them. So mm-hmm. he has all this time to see um, their flaws. And the fact that he can be so outwardly complimentary of her is just a huge deal. Yeah. You know who Spock also loves to give glowing reviews of? Mm. The patrons who keep this show afloat. Nice. Uh, these are the patrons at a $25 above tier. They are the super patrons. They are keeping the lights on here as well as all the other patrons who do it at any level. But we get to shout them out as part of their tier. And if you would like to become a member of Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash streaming things and join these incredible people who are our patron producers for the month of June. They are Chester Copperpot, St- uh, Stanton Valentino, Svento7, Pills, baby! Jay Scramo, A.K. Ashley Ray, Alan Tomlinson, Wendy O'Laughlin, Jason Hawkins, Trey Barrera, Conrad, David Malfara, Kaylee Sampson, Rabbit Dog in a Barbie Car, Jose Ruben Cruz Rodriguez, Alexis Adler, Thomas Alexander, Emmy, Joe Velez, Valerie, Aaron Layton, John Collins, Amanda King, Son, Loving, Mortal, Andrew Gray, Jadinklage Morgoon, Jen, Ro- I don't know why I always say his name like in a question mark. Morgoon? I don't know why I do that. Jen Robinson, Kate, Chloe Richardson, Kalisha Reeves, Kiki Newton, Kevin Strother, a lot of K's all at once. Jeanette Murphy, Casey McCain, and Enza. What's up, Enza? What's up, girl? How's Belgium? <laughs> <laughs>
Those people are great. Nice segue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I think I had a really killer segue into it. Yeah. A really poor one out of it. <laughs> you know what? You didn't have to have a segue out of it because it was so good going in. Oh. So. <laughs> Tell yeah. me more about my love life. La'an. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Gets to meet up with Nira. Yeah. Uh, she has given, she gives Nira the code of justice. Mm. That's the aforementioned giant, giant tome, book. The tome. <laughs> yeah. Is the word. It's, it's just so strange to see like a physical book in Star Trek. So yeah. it yeah. stands out. Yeah. I, I would have loved it if she like, <sighs> like blew dust <laughs> off of it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an honestly touching moment between the two of them. Like this is the first time we've seen Nira be anything but like cold and aggressive like professional but cold yeah she's like on it yeah but she sort of she sort of lets down her facade a little bit with la'an because she recognizes that la'an feels um a lingering guilt about like her lineage being related to khan and and all the eugenic war bullshit that goes goes along with that and she has this really good line that I like a lot, um, and I'll paraphrase it. Um, she said, it was drilled into you. You were born with a capacity for actions, good or ill, just, just like the rest of us. Essentially, she's saying, like, just because you share a bloodline with some really bad people doesn't mean that you're locked into being a bad person, too. Mm-hmm. And she's essentially making the case for a Lear where she's like, just because we are genetically modified doesn't mean that we have to to bear the burden of all that happened during the the eugenics wars. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I agree. And and she also kind of talks about uh, uh, Lon has sort of a moment where she kind of reveals she's worried that they got Una because of her. Yeah. Because uh, last season. Una told her about her Illyrian heritage, and I guess she made a personal log where she was kind of upset about it. And like she's writing it to herself. It's a yeah. personal log. It's not meant for anybody else. But she's worried that somehow that got out, and that is what caused them to be able to come into the Enterprise and take Una away, her friend, her mentor. Because in that episode, she was mad yeah. that she was lied to. Mm-hmm. It's not that she was mad that she was genetically modified. She was mad that she kept a secret that enormous from her friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she felt a little betrayed by that, but now she's like worried like, Oh no, I ruined my friend's life. Right. Because I was just venting in my, in my personal log. And, and and luckily for her Nira, uh, to your point, Nira kind of also kind of, Hey, it couldn't possibly have been you because that was what, like four months ago. And like you said, it takes six months to get those records unsealed. So it couldn't possibly have been you who got Una locked up, which eases La'an's guilt. Mm-hmm. Poor La'an. Yeah. Uh, so back to the trial. Yeah. Guess what's happening, Phil? What's the that? very thing that Nira didn't want to happen, but now does. <laughs> Una takes the stand. Right. On hot bench. Right. <laughs> hot bench. <laughs> hot bench. Uh, so she gets asked this question, you know, hey, why did you want to join Starfleet? And she mentions, you know, she kind of recounts the the original slogan for Starfleet, which is ad aspra. Ad, Ad Astra per Aspera. Yeah. Um, my, my notes rewrote that the same word twice. It's weird. <laughs> and I, and I kind of geeked out because as soon as she said that, I'm like, that's an enterprise thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is. Yeah. Because yeah. Enterprise is about beginning Starfleet. And so that's and I think that's also the state motto for Kansas randomly. Really? Or it has something to do with Kansas, I think. Really? I I'm, hmm. I might have to maybe maybe later on I can check that out. But I, but I think it has something to do with Kansas. The Latin translates to the stars through to to the stars through hardships. Um Essentially, meaning achieving great heights or reaching for for the stars despite the challenges and difficulties encountered along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Ad Astra Perispera is actually uh, Kansas's official state motto and appears on the state seal. That's really dope. Isn't that like like Kansas? Yeah. Okay. Right you on. Know, Kansas, yeah. the home of 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 space flight. Yeah. <laughs> They probably it, they probably are more interested in the like striving through difficulty no, it, yeah. type thing, yeah. but it is kind of strange that Ad Astra appears anywhere in regards to Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, she was talking about like she she saw this federation, uh, this crew of people from all different walks of life, planets, creeds. Yeah coming together as a team and working together. And she found that very inspirational. And that's why she wanted to uh, join Starfleet. She also mentions like uh, this, this I thought was a really interesting part. Um, She mentions a year before she was born, the Illyrians lived in a federation called plenty on, on, in the, on the Volterra Nebula or in the Volterra Nebula, whatever the planet they're on right now. Um, and they were granted provisional membership to the Federation so long as they renounced their genetic modification. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't be uh, they couldn't practice their cultural um, traditions. Um, they had to essentially abandon who they were in order to be in the Federation. Yeah. And she said that some of them did and then some of them did not. And they keep it quiet and they kept 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 it quiet. Mm-hmm. Her family were among the folks who still practiced um, Illyrian customs and, gen- and genetic modification, but kept it quiet. Yeah, there was this interesting sort of kind of mention where her parents were passing. Yeah. Because I guess some Illyrians, their modification, there was a very specific call out where like uh, they exhaled green or something. Yeah. Some weird, something with the color green where yeah. you could like visibly see like, oh, that person's probably modified. Right. And again, that's another thing like persecuted groups can be in this quote unquote passing. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, they're, they're passing in terms of what is considered the norm or wanted by the the larger governmental society. Yeah. And so they're able to kind of hide what they are, whereas other people don't have that benefit. And, right. it, and it's kind of talks about how there could be these two different groups, two different members of the same group not having equal treatment because just what you're seeing with your eyes. And that uh, that in and of itself is kind of uh, evidence of how stupid this is. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then she actually um, – this is, this is the moment where we learn the nature of the tension between Nira and Una too. She mentions um, that uh, Ivan Ketul, uh, who was her best friend's cousin, so now we've learned that her best friend was Anira, mm-hmm. and she had a cousin named Ivan. Yep. Um, he was found out for being augmented and living in this col- colony. So essentially what happened was um, the hysteria and violence um, – that the colony experienced in relation to 
um, people being discovered to be augments um, uh, escalated to a point where um, it got it's it's dangerous exactly right yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. dangerous and, yeah. and I mean it's a lot of the shit that's like look at all the the anti-trans hysteria that's going sure. around in this country right, right now like it, some of that's like kind of boiling over into very violent acts towards persecuted peoples sure and it's and it's awful but yeah this these attacks start uh her her family um are trying to they're like again they're passing they can kind of hide it eventually this leads to the city they live in being separated into two cities there's yeah. the illyrian city and the non-illyrian city mm-hmm. una's family because they can pass and able to blend in they live they go to live in the 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 non-illyrian part of the city and leave everyone else behind which is why nira specifically resents her yes. because una left her behind mm-hmm and they, and they also mentioned that she had, at one point, I think when the attack starts, there was some sort of accident where she broke her leg. This was the scene in the beginning. Right. And it was just a simple a simple fix. Like with modern technology, she could have gone to the doctor's office. They could have just like probably sprayed some <clears throat> hyperspray in her neck and she'd be all fine. Yeah. But because they're worried about going to the doctor and they're able to find out that she's Illyrian, they don't go. And she almost dies due to complications due to this very easy to fix thing. Right. Uh, and that's horrifying. That's awful. Yeah, and she she reveals that she turned herself into stars to uh, to Starfleet. She was the one who outed herself. Yes, uh, in this moment. So we know it wasn't Spock, it wasn't Laon, it wasn't Pike. Mm-hmm. It was her. Yeah, and she does this. She has this speech at this moment where she describes how much Starfleet means to her. And she, she, she describes how like the diversity was so attractive to her. And she dreamed of being in Starfleet so much that she essentially, um, the optimism and the willingness to aid and explore and, um, just be part of that whole organization was so to go boldly. Yeah. Like no she wanted to be in before. that. So she's like, <laughs> I have to lie about who I am mm-hmm. to get through to achieve my dream. And ultimately she turned herself in because she was tired of living that lie. Yeah. And, um, and I love her speech because the thing she talks about Starfleet is I think a big reason why people love Star Trek. Like people love the idea of it being explorers and, working amongst diverse peoples and working in this idealized version of what society can be. We're not there yet, but it's something we strive to be. And her kind of saying that is like, yeah, if you watch Star Trek, if you like Star Trek, what she's saying probably hits home to you. Like, yeah, I would do that too. Like I would want to be a part of that as well. Put a pin in this. Cause we're going to come back, back to that. Put a pen in that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Put a pen on that. <laughs> and then Pasalk is not about this emotional appeal at all. He stands up and he's and he I hate emotion. <laughs> he goes straight for the weak spot. He goes after Pike and yeah. and essentially says, like, Pike knew about, about this and he's complicit mm-hmm. with the cover up. When did you tell pike about this and she says four months before her arrest yeah yeah and he and he also makes a comment that like throws shade at Battelle in this moment too like he's like i forget what he says specifically but he's like um like a point my my co-counsel failed to bring up 
and he mentions the pike thing. So like mm-hmm. no one in this room likes Pasalk at this point. Not Patel. No. N- not the defense. Probably not even the judges. <laughs> Certainly not Spock. No, Spock hates him. He's he's in the hallway having more outbursts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm I really I apologize for you for the YouTube viewers for having to have watched that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry for that outburst. Guys. We had streaming things do not condone the outburst <laughs> Phil just had just now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Pasak says something like, you know, the law is about facts and logic and uh una he says is toxic in her action as well as her inaction like yeah. how many people's uh careers are you going to destroy to just be in starfleet yeah because in his mind he's like i got her dead to rights once i'm done with you i'm going after captain pike i'm going after all those people that said nice things about you i'm gonna fire Battelle, and, and then i'm gonna beat up spock <laughs> <laughs> and um he since she's on since she's under oath and in the chair um he essentially asks her just straight up like how long did pike know yeah and there's a cut to the hand device which was never (laughs) expressly explained but you don't need it to be explained because it's just one quick shot Mm -hmm. of a hand on this like glowing platform that's on the armrest of the chair and you get it like you instantly get what it's Mm -hmm. supposed supposed to be it's this lie detector Tech yeah, because they're, they're also kind of hammering home, like, you are under oath. Yeah. Do not lie. And Una has to be truthful about the fact that Pike did know. Yeah, and Pike's uh, at their viewing quarters on the Enterprise. Like, yeah, he's watching it live. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now it's Nira's turn. Yeah. She's like, rebuttal. Yeah. Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Leading the witness. Now, um, so she has she uh, gives Battelle the 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 code of justice that uh, La'an had given her earlier. And she's like, hey, could you uh, read off section uh, 8154, please? Please. Yeah. Thank you. I, I the book is too heavy. I only read off the pads. Yeah. Can you read this for me, please? Um, and essentially what she the, the argument that she makes is via this um, code is that. Una should be given uh, amnesty or not amnesty. I'm sorry. Um, any any um, asylum persons seeking asylum within Starfleet. Um, essentially, like uh, it's up to to Starfleet to judge whether or not it's appropriate. But if they're if they meet all these conditions uh, and want to seek asylum within Starfleet, like you are legally allowed to give them asylum within the organization yeah and so essentially what has happened is without anybody knowing it nira had kind of walked una through telling her story and via her story being told is checking off every single box it takes to not only be offered amnesty but also be granted it via captain pike yeah and it's so cool because she's going through like you know her she 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 thought she needed to be safe she was in danger when she was a kid. She turned herself in. She wanted her crew to know who she was. Um, she talks about how the law can be bent by even the greatest of, of uh, Starfleet captains. Captain Pike essentially granted her the amnesty without uh, the asylum, without knowing 
exactly that's what he was doing. Yeah. And I love this whole thing because the speech is so good. It's one of those so moments where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah tell him. And like, it's it's, the, it, it, it cuts over the, to Mattel and Mattel's like, yeah, I'm yeah. also in. Fuck you, Pasak. I heard what you said about me just now. Yeah, the crazy <laughs> thing about this whole case is they keep cutting back to Battelle. And, like, you can tell, like, she doesn't believe in what she's she's trying to fight fight for during mm-hmm. during this case. Like, she wants to do her job well, but she doesn't want to win. Like, like mm-hmm. she wants Una to be back on the ship. At least yeah. that's what I I assumed based on her. I, I agree as well. She, um, you can she she's on the side of Una, but she's also one of those people that's like, I, I have to work through the law. Right. This is the law says I have to do this. Yeah. And, and it's just and she's just so happy that Nero was able to kind of pull this law out and be like, oh, no, you guys do have to work into within the law. Here is the law. Yeah. Bam. Confirm her status for of asylum to absolve both her and Captain Pike. She uses the the logic argument that Pasalk made against him. And not only does she prove that Una was well within her rights to to seek asylum within Star Starfleet, but she but she also absolves Pike yeah. at the same time. So Pasok's um, uh, um, attack on Pike now means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, and this whole time, like, it, it reveals that even though she was going hard on April in the beginning, like, that was a pointed tact to make this point that, like, even the greatest Starfleet captains have to kind of bend the law. This is a perfect situation where this is, we are working within the law mm. and we have to do this. Mm. Um, and I love what she says about, like, um, let me see. Uh, a law is not a mirror to society. It's an ideal. It's there to remind us how to be our better selves. And, and, and she asks the judges like, you know, Una believed in the ideals of Starfleet. Find those ideals within yourself and give her this asylum. And it's, it's fucking beautiful yeah, because that's, that's something that so many people who are like really hard nose into like law and order, right? Like they're like, you have to follow the law. It's like, Sure. Yes. But that is a, I, I, a lot of my favorite speakers in the matter, like talk about how this is an ideal. We're not perfect yet, but these are here to remind us on how to get where we need to go so we can do what we need to do to go where we need to be. And I just love the speech so much. It's I a great love it speech. So much. And it's a great way to end the case, too, because essentially the judges deliberate. And then they say, like, yeah, uh, she's not guilty. So not only is it a good, like, impassioned speech, but, like, it wins it. She, mm-hmm. She's off the hook. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a big win, but it's also, like, this nuanced sort of win. We're like, yeah, this one <clears throat> for this incredibly specific yeah. situation. It doesn't necessarily help Illyrians at large. But, like Nira says, it's a start. Right. And that's... Uh, don't get in the way of good. Right. right? Put put um, pin number two in that one. Put a pen in that. Yeah. <laughs> Nira, uh, Nira and Una make peace after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this. So she beams out. Nira, uh, Nira beams out. Energize. You can't talk while it's going. No, I can't. Yeah, no. you, you're like, fuck up your jaw. Respect it. Yeah, respect <laughs> respect the noise. <laughs> and then Pike gives her this just amazing hug because 
he lingers uh, on yeah, the hug just hug. a little bit. And you can tell, like, there's, like, fear in his eyes, but there's also, like, gratitude and there's relief. Like, his face says a ton. Mm-hmm. Like, Anson Mount acts the shit out of this, like, two-second hug. Yeah. You could tell in that moment that he wasn't really confident that he was going to be able to. Yeah. Like they, he wasn't confident they were going to win. Yeah. And that it would have been his fault. And he's relieved it's done. He's relieved that she's back on the ship as his right hand. Mm-hmm. And then he gives her like, he gives her the hug. Then he like backs off and like gives her like a bop on the <laughs> arm. Like, yeah, <laughs> bop. Good job. <laughs> God, I love him. And then like, I, I really liked, uh, mm-hmm. cause, uh, Una and Nira have that moment. Like, you know, you know, thank you for saving my life. You know, it was a technicality to start. But when Nira goes back to the teleporter, like Una, like does not let go of her hand for the longest time. It's yeah. this really the best small moment yeah. where it's like, I don't really want to let you go right now. Yeah. Like she it's her kind of finally sort of accepting who she is yeah. and that she shouldn't be hiding who she is. And it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then and, and Nira also has this great thing like, hey, I'm looking at a starship crew that proudly serves under an Illyrian commander. Yeah. And that's a start. And it's like, fuck yeah, it yeah. is. Fuck yeah. And then there's the perfect way to end this um, scene and this episode um, <clears throat> is just like a long shot on Una's face as the like classic Star Trek theme plays in horns. Like that, like that, that like iconic, um, those like iconic notes in horns. And then it just cuts, cuts to black. It's so good. Yeah. The episode's done. Una saved. The Enterprise still has their XO in place, and it's we're we're moving on from this plot point. We're back, baby. <laughs> we're going to explore strange new worlds, yeah. seek out new life, and go and boldly go. We no one can once before. again boldly go. Yeah, yeah. I'd like the ship to go. Yes. Boldly. So, did you enjoy this episode, dude? I love this episode. Yeah. I, I I love this episode so much. I, I, I you know if you're listening, you probably can know I like a gush about this. I think they do such a great job in this episode and talking about a lot of real life issues. They do it in a way that's very Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek is so good when they want to do courtroom dramas. Like I feel like like every iteration of Trek has at least one courtroom drama episode, and it's always a banger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. At least to, at least they, that I've seen. Yeah. There. Um. If it's not like explicitly a court courtroom drama, like there, like there's um there are other episodes that deal with like sticky laws and such. Yeah, and they're and they're you know walking around like this is why data has a soul. Yeah, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, and they're always a banger. Um, I the the and and this season so far has been so bold because. I feel like the way they've, you know, we talked about it last week's episode doesn't even have Captain Pike. It was mm. a fun little romp. Mm. This episode is very courtroom drama. There's mm. no like, let's go have an adventure. It's yeah. just, you know, we're, we're helping our friend out. Yeah. And I love that about this. The, the Star Trek can, can be so much more than just like, let's fight this alien. Oh no, the Borg. Oh no, the whatever. Um, it can be stories like this where it's just people trying to make society better. And I think that's beautiful and great. They've specifically said that this season of this show is going to play more within like the different genre of film that has that that is out there. So I, I'm I'm really excited oh, to that. see how they've nailed both of these thus far so far. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what 
what episode three is going to be yet. So I, yeah. and I love that. I, I love that. We don't know where it's going next. So yeah. I'm pumped for it. The only thing I know about the future is there's an episode where we get Boims. Oh, so and, I uh, think they said that's Mariner. episode seven. So oh, we have seven. to wait, but I'm so excited to see yeah. Boimler and Mariner. Yeah. What was, what was, what was your favorite moment? Oh, my favorite moment, uh, the captain's log. Yeah. As you were, maybe is, is that what we're sticking with? Maybe. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Captain's log. Sure. Um, so I think my captain's log of this episode is definitely near a speech, right? That big climactic moment where she kind of reveals what her whole case has been about. It's like, Oh, she's, she's had this figured out from the beginning. She talks about the Starfleet ideals. She throws it back in Pasak's face and she ultimately wins the case. Thanks to a tome. Like it's just an old ass dusty book. Mm. And I just, I, I found myself, even though I was sitting on my couch when I watched this episode, I found myself wanting to like stand up and like, yes, <laughs> yeah, plot. get it queen. Yeah. Get it. Right. Uh, that's my cat, uh, captain's log. What about yeah. you? Um, <clears throat> so it's, it is a speech, but it's a different speech. Una's speech about why she wanted to join star Starfleet and like what appealed to her about start like like what about starfleet appealed to her is my favorite moment because and you hit it like nail on the head which is why i said to put a pin in that panama because everything you said about how like that's why star trek fans like star star trek that's exactly what appealed to me Mm -hmm. the first time i watched it i was like i love the notion of this like not a utopian future, but like the the main problems we have today right right now have all been solved. And yes, there are new problems to face, mm-hmm. but we've solved like hunger and we've solved um, uh, most medical issues, most me- medical issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've gotten off of Earth and like we don't have money anymore. The ranks <laughs> of like other worlds like there is a federation of like diversity like yeah, i love yeah. that like and you and, can and do the important things like exploring and learning new things yeah. and becoming more like uh like you you just you're learning more things and becoming better always knowledge is the main driver for the people in that future it, yeah. it's not about like oh i gotta make money to buy food like it's like no i gotta like learn new things be- mm-hmm. because how do i help society yeah, yeah. like i want to help people with the things that I learned and there's a, there's an organization there, um, to help me do that. And large, largely too, like Starfleet is the bad guy. Like the concept of Starfleet is the bad guy in this episode. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hit pretty hard, like up to that point. But then when she lays out like why it appealed, appealed to her, like it, I'm not a person who like cries at things, Mm -hmm. but it, it really did like it hit me hard when she said said that because it was so perfect. And I just think like that that moment stands out to me um, the most of mm-hmm. the episode because uh, she just so perfectly put into words why why Starfleet why Starfleet appeals to me too. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a great pick. Yeah, that's a great pick. And. It, yeah, I I love it's. I mean, that's the way. Just that promise of being better is something we all strive for, and I think a lot of people get too hung up on the details of what's written in what's written in the Constitution. Like right. that's not how it should be. That's just a baseline of what we could be in the future. Like we always strive to be better. Uh, who is your acting captain? 
of this week. So Nira Katul is my favorite um, character in this episode for obvious reasons. She just she's the perfect um, um, person to represent Una. She wins the case. She makes a, com- a compelling argument that essentially puts um, Pasalk's whole logic uh, to rest. She absolves Pike in the process. She just, and like the combined history of um, her and Una and the like struggles that Illyrians have faced, like she herself has become this amazing attorney and essentially like, like scored a major win for her, for her whole people uh, by winning this case too. Like she just, she absolutely rocked this episode. She's my acting captain. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. Um, the actress that plays her, her name is Yatide Badaki. Mm. Um, she's incredible in this. Like I, I, it's been a long time since like a, a seemingly one-off character on Star Trek kind of pops in and is that strong. And I immediately like, yes, say it, speak truth to power. Yes, please. I loved it. Um, I've, I'm not familiar with uh, Yatide Badaki before. This is the first thing I can think of that I've seen with her in it that I'm aware of and she crushed it. So that's, that's someone I'm going to be looking out for uh, in the future in everything I watch because mm-hmm. she was a wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Phil, what one real quick thing oh, uh, yeah. on pin two though. Um, oh yeah. You had a second yeah. pin. What's the second? So pin? you said essentially like um, this is, this is not um, a law changing win, but we're going to make an exception for this case. And there's a and I and I know you haven't watched Deep Space Nine, but I have not. Deep Space Nine takes place essentially a hundred years beyond the events of Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. And there's the Doctor Julian Bashir on that is genetically enhanced, and you don't learn that oh, until like season five. The, the Doctor from Voyager. No, no, no. no. So I'm like, he's in DS9 too? <laughs> no, Whoa. No, 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 no. Um, he's genetically altered because his father was a geneticist who recognized that he was having difficulties at a young age. And um, essentially, like, Starfleet hasn't changed their tune on this in a hundred more years, too, which mm. is unfortunate because while he's absolved and, like, left alone, his dad essentially chooses to go to jail for it, for his actions. So mm-hmm. unfortunately this win is not, um, something that sticks in Starfleet and for at least a hundred more years, they're, um, not real, real flexible on this whole thing. So bummer, bummer. Starfleet be better. Yeah. Be better. Uh, but let's open up the comms for some other, uh, questions from other Starfleet captains. How about we do that? Let's let's rush through a couple of these. Um, the, f- the first one comes in from Casey uh, on the Discord. They write, "What is your favorite episode of season one, and why?" Ooh, I think I I think I answered this the first episode. I think um, I think the Captain Angel one really stood out to me yeah. um, a lot, just because I liked how Arch Jesse James Keitel played that part, and mm-hmm. it was just just fun being on the like. Orion ship and and um that was just like a fun fun romp of an episode but I honestly think it's it is episode one because I remember when 
that aired, I was so jazzed. It got me <laughs> were, so yeah. excited. I, I think I like immediately texted you to like, you have to watch have this to. show. It's so fun. So I think that season one, ep- episode one was my favorite just because it, it was so just, it got me, it hooked me from the very start. So. That's, a, that's a good, that's a good one. What about you? Uh, I think I, I went with Spock Amok. Yeah. Uh, I really like that episode for some reason. Yeah. I like a good Freaky Friday story yeah. and it's really funny and it reveals a lot about the characters and that's the episode where like, oh, they're taking yeah. Spock in a different direction. Well, which is good. and also you love the the subplot of um, Spock and uh, Chap- Chapel and that was yeah. a big one. I want, for, I, for that. I want them yeah. to be together. Uh, the next uh, episode, or I'm sorry, the next question they write is, uh, this season seems to focus on one or two central characters each episode. Which character-centric episode are you looking forward Ortegas. to most? Ortegas. Ortegas is my favorite person on the bridge. That's not Pike. She's so, awesome. Yeah. I just, I, I love her. And the last two episodes have been, like, whenever she's on screen, she just eats it up. Yeah, she so. steals it every time. I want more of her. She rules. I got to say, just based off how the season has played out so far, I really, really want that Pike episode because mm. I miss I miss a Captain Pike focus episode. Mm. Uh, I feel like we haven't gotten that in some time. Well, we've only seen two of ten so far. So it's, it's yeah, it's still pretty early days to make. Um, mm-hmm. But he can yeah. get it. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Casey also writes hashtag team to pring. So there's some, uh, there's yeah. some, 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 some Pringles out there. I, I am on team to Pring as well. <laughs> that's so what I, that's what, yeah. what I'm calling to Pring France yeah. Yeah. to Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> Once you Spock, the fun don't stop. Nah. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Spock a mock. Um, <laughs> Enza writes in, okay, here it goes. Who is your favorite villain? Someone we've already met. Or maybe like a, a villainous race that you would like to see on the show appear again. Oh, that's such a good question. In terms of like a villainous race, yeah. the, the quote unquote, like these are the bad guy villain races of of, of Star Trek. I just want more Ferengi. I, I, dude, I'm right there with you. I want you. Ferengi so and much. And I know, I know that that is such an, uh, like, like a, a grown word, the answer, but I like Ferengi. I, love I Ferengi. think they are such a good foil to like the like sterling starfleet look like yeah. they're just and with this specific show this specific crew you it'll be so entertaining to see them yeah. interact with the ferengi yeah i would I, I don't think i have to brush up on it but i don't think they even encounter the ferengi until tng though oh that's true that would be like it would be it would break canon if they were yeah they were, so oh, i so we're true. probably not yeah. gonna get that but that's a bummer. That's a bummer. That's a yeah. bummer. Uh, and then last up, Phil, mm. uh, we got an email. Oh, okay. This is, this is kind of a big one. Oh, geez. This is a little long. Oh no. But I feel like I got to read it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for this? Is this going to make me sad? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> All right. They write, hello, streaming things pod. I'm a long time listener. First time writer. Unfortunately, I have been forced to write in today because of some egregious statements made in season two, episode one, Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode. Good. I can't. I, I, I love that. I love that we've reached this level already. The discussion I am referring to begins at time code 5322. <laughs> I love this. I love it. 
Mbenga and Nurse Chapel are in quite the pickle, and Stephen Filler taking issue with the green vials. They call this juicing, roiding. Phil says he feels that this is just deus ex machina to get them to the next scene. Yeah. Steve said he didn't care for the doctors beating people up. Now, if the issue is with the fight choreography and the film technique, I have no comment on this. I have no experience or expertise. <laughs> that is not what I take issue with. The issue I take is that both Phil and Steve state that they don't want their doctors to juice up and that it's weird to add. <laughs> it's a weird thing to add to Star Trek and that it comes out of nowhere. And then Phil states Una got court-martialed for being genetically modified. And there you have the two doctors juicing to get through an army of Klingons. Insightful, Phil. Very insightful. The egregious statement is made by Steve, who agrees with Phil. Why is this egregious, one might ask? I am more than happy to explain. This is a bit of a trek. I love this. But I love this entire thing. That's why I'm reading yeah. it. And I think you'll understand even more why I love this here in a second. Okay. All right. All right. First, I'm a huge fan of the show. Second, I am Steve's girlfriend. <laughs> 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 Thirdly, I have a sad truth to share. I did not have an interest in the show. The first time I was introduced to it, I was a little too tired and a little too tipsy. So I was so distracted by the fact that I had too much rum and that Captain Pike looks like the perfect amalgamation of Timothy Oliphant and Peter Gallagher. What I couldn't focus on, what I couldn't focus on, uh, what was happening, uh, I was, oh yeah, she could, she was too caught up in pronouncing how to pronounce Peter Gallagher's last name. Mm. Literally, we were watching it. She's like, Gallagher? Gallagher. 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 I'm like, you watch a fucking show. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I, I restarted the show out of the love of my partner and dear friend. I became enamored with the show. I consumed every Strange New Worlds episode over just a few days. And this is why I must out Steve of his hypocrisy. He didn't appreciate the doctor's. Um, one is a nurse juicing up and it seemed out of place in Star Trek when the very first episode of Strange New World season one that he introduced me to shows the very shipped nurse chapel proclaiming I'm going to mess with your genome and what I like to call polyjuice potioning the crew to make them blend in with the locals on planet Kylie 279. I love that she knows that episode and <laughs> wrote that. I'm so proud of her. Now, when I saw episode three, Ghosts of Illyria, you can imagine my thoughts when they mentioned that it was illegal to genetically modify the body. I immediately texted Steve and I thought that it was a little funny that everyone was really shy about genetically modifying when uh, Chapel polyjuice potioned them in the first episode. Steve replied, cosmetic modifications? No worries. No, I said, these are still genetic modifications. He said it was like NASCAR. You can paint the car what you want, but you can't change the engine. <laughs> Gasp! Messing with your genome, reduced to changing your paint. And now here we are on season two, episode one. How much we have forgotten. Well, 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 how the turntables have turntabled. <laughs> So it's okay for Nurse Chapel to play with their genetics in episode one, but it's not okay in season two, episode one. Suddenly it's out of place in Star Trek and Una is being court-martialed marshaled for genetic modification, but they are doing the same thing with green juice. Hypocrisy! You know, she brings up a good point, mm -hmm. but I will say two things. Okay. These are temporary modifications because mm -hmm. as you saw in that episode, that first episode... Um, Spock's juice runs out. The mid, juice runs out mid mission, so it's not meant to change you perm permanently. As 
we saw with this last episode as well. Like the the effects do wear off within a certain amount of time, whereas the genetic modifications that Starfleet seemingly has an issue with are like permanent modifications that will last your whole life. That's that's I think the technical line that you can draw between between the two. Now, the other thing is, I don't fully believe that Mabenga and Chapel um, believe that gen- that genetic modification is a bad thing right. to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a Starfleet writ large. That's a thing. archaic Starfleet law. They, I don't think they believe that that is something that they support themselves. I don't think anybody on that ship believes that that's a good law. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I would say that they probably take a lot less issue with these temporary changes um, to finish a mission, mm-hmm. which we've seen twice. So. Yeah. And I agree with you completely. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, also, can I just say, yes, I love, I love that the show has gotten her to watch this show. Yes. <laughs> because she texted my wife and I, um, a few days back and she knows my wife has absolutely no interest in oh my gosh. Star Trek <laughs> at all. She is like, Oh, what are you guys talking about? Oh, Star Trek. Yeah. You can't see someone leave a room quicker. No. <laughs> so she texted us and, um, she said like, Hey, uh, this is actually a really good show. Um, oh, yeah. You should watch it. Um, I liked it. And my wife's like, oh, really? Like, oh, that's so great. Like, I've literally been trying to tell my <laughs> wife that this show is good for like two years, and she will not listen to me at all. And she and sends one, one text. And she's like, she's not on board, but she's gotten closer to she's much the closer boarding now. process. Yeah. So I feel like given a little bit more, more, more time. So what you're saying is Erica should push her wife some more to watch yeah. Star Trek and we can get yes. her over that hump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's our new new year's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we so. began with watching all of Trek. Now it ends with getting your wife to watch. Trek. <laughs> <laughs> An uphill battle for sure. To boldly convince my wife that this is not a bad show. <laughs> boldly go where no one has gone before. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all everybody for participating and watching the show and thank you phil for joining us thank you sorry again it was a little bit late but i'm sure you guys understand if you would like to be in contact with the show you can always do it follow our social medias we're on twitter at stream pod we're on instagram at streaming things pod official you can go to our website we have a website now phil Mm -hmm. it's great it's streaming i've been there uh we're gonna have some you know we're, we're always growing that website so stay tuned to that we might start doing some blog stuff you know whatever uh you can also become a patron of the show go to patreon.com streaming things to join at a variety of tiers and you can always email us just like uh erica did to you know put me on blast on my own show at uh we are streaming things pod at gmail.com so please write in i always love hearing from you guys we've gotten a ton of emails over the last couple weeks in regards to trek lost everything in between people who really want us to watch the icon uh (laughs) we love all of it please continue to interact with the show uh but with that that concludes this journey of star trek strange new worlds thank you phil for always being a member of this journey with me thank you my name is steve i'm phil happy streaming